Hi everyone, this is Marsha, and I'm the director and founder of the Brooklyn Caribbean Literary Festival. I'm thrilled and elated to announce the birth and launch of our brand new podcast, CocoPod. Consider the aromatic CocoPod and how, after carefully ripening under the Caribbean sun, it generously offers up its rich fruit in due season. CocoPod by BCLF aims to provide a similar delight. Each episode is a seed, a nugget of an original Caribbean story told in the voice of its writer. Each story, an infinite gift by the offshoot of an ancient griot tradition. As a whole, Caribbean stories are like a mighty tree whose branches extend, offering shade and comfort wherever her children settle. From my team and the legion of Caribbean writers behind us, we bring to you the warmest of welcomes. Good day. Thank you for inviting me to participate in CocoPods podcast. Um, my name is Trisha Chin and I have written three books. They are indie published. The first book is Tabanka and Other Stories published last year around me. And the second is Parang the Wrong House, which was published around last year, November. And this year in October, I published For the Dead. Um, all books are, of course, based in Trinidad and Tobago. And they explore themes, whether of folklore, fantasy. Recently, I've been writing things that are more more based in real life than folklore. So For the Dead is a collection of 11 stories that explore rituals and customs that we have in Trinidad and Tobago relating to that. The last story, Paper White, is what I will be reading to you today. Paper White has elements of folklore. Actually, there is folklore in Paper White, a fair amount of folklore. So I'll start Paper White. Murphy's gone into the closet again, Lillian pronounced as she plunked onto the couch. That child, Auntie Gears sighed as she got up from the table where she had been sorting clean laundry into piles. That child, Lillian heard muttered in tune with a heavy flop of Auntie Gears's slippers as she ambled heavily down the corridor. Lillian picked up her bobbies and mimicked them kissing, as if they were Victor and Nina on The Young and the Restless. Auntie Gears wasn't there to see, so she added in a little dialogue. Oh, Victor, Malibu Bobby exclaimed. Oh, Nina, regular Bobby responded. The two of them kissed wildly, rubber limbs moving violently to Lillian's play, until she threw the two Bobbies up into the air. Malibu Bobby landed behind the cords of the TV, in that icky space of dust, living spiders, and mummified lizards. Regular Bobby slammed against the curtain that hid the sun from entering through the glass patio door. Lillian watched as regular Bobby lay on the floor, unmoving. The television station had changed to the midday news program now. Bored, she picked herself off the couch, navigated the Legos, building blocks, dolls, teddy bears, and coloring books that she had strewn on the floor, and took herself down the corridor to Muffy's room. By the time she got there, 
Auntie Gears had somehow managed to coax Muffy out of the closet. She had Muffy sat between her legs on the soft carpeted floor. She was combing the long tangles out of Muffy's hair. Auntie Gears sang while she combed. Muffy sat, eyes straight ahead, unmoving. Lillian came in and sat beside her twin. Muffy put her hand out and Lillian took it. They sat there together, listening to the soft sound of Auntie Gears' song. When they woke up, Mummy and Daddy were home. It was time for dinner. Muffy, you can't stay at home forever. Mummy, Daddy and Muffy kept looking at the television. The newest, biggest flat screen brought by Daddy to watch cricket. Muffy didn't reply, but Mummy looked over. Leave your sister alone, Mummy muttered. Muffy got up and went to the kitchen. She returned with a tray with glasses of juice, snacks and napkins. Lillian glared at Muffy's downcast eyes as she took the cold orange juice and a handful of nuts. Muffy, I just wish you would try. There's a whole world out there. You can't just stay at home with Mummy and Daddy forever. Mummy, Daddy and Muffy said nothing. They kept drinking juice and chugging nuts, focused on the cricket that played on the 60-inch HDTV in front of them. Lillian went to Muffy's room that night. She knocked and entered before Muffy could respond. Her twin lay on her bed in a white nightie. In the stark whiteness of the room, with the curtains pulled to let in only moonlight, Muffy looked like she was barely breathing. Lillian sat beside her and watched her chest rise and fall, her eyelashes fluttering slightly with each movement. Muffy, I know you're awake. Muffy made no response. Lillian traced the blue veins that stood out against the whiteness of Muffy's pale arms. I just wish you would maybe come to New York with me. Maybe try. From the heavy breath that Muffy inhaled, Lillian knew she was awake. She lightened her touch and hummed a verse from one of Auntie Gears's old songs. Shh, she whispered as Muffy's chest returned to its slight movements. Shh. The moon came in through the window and Lillian lay beside her sister. Their parents found them that way together when they came to call them for breakfast. Muffy, you won't come to the airport to say goodbye? Muffy said nothing. Lillian sighed and hugged her sister. Daddy and Mummy were both going with her to the airport. Daddy picked up the luggage. Lillian, leave your sister. We have to go now. The traffic bad. Mummy's heels clicked against the tile as she entered the living room. Come, Gil. Daddy and I are going out after. Muffy, be safe, okay, darling? Muffy said nothing, just wafted away to her room. Lillian looked as the slighter, whiter version of herself, with longer, darker hair, moved down the corridor. She watched until Muffy was out of sight. It was only then she picked up her handbag and followed Mummy and Daddy out to the garage. Muffy woke up. The moon streaming through her windows had called her. Her veins tingled blue as blue as the cool light caressed her. She slipped out of the bed and twined her body against the stream of light that had reached into her room to call her awake. I'm coming, she called as she turned her head this way and that, listening to the chiming music that was Moonlight's own call. Her hair, like a flag behind her, she climbed through the open window and jumped softly onto the dew-soaked lawn. He was there outside her window, waiting for her. 
She had known him her whole life. He had looked in her window when she had lain asleep with her twin. He had touched the shocking black mat of her hair with his finger and she had opened her baby eyes to him. She had never forgotten. And for every full moon thereafter, neither did he. They had roamed and traveled the length and breadth of Trinidad. Unlikely companions, he was taller than the tallest tree. His head so high, it sometimes brushed the smallest cotton ball puff of a low-lying cloud. Yet, every full moon, he waited for her. He beckoned each time from her window and she followed, trailing tiny in his long-legged week. Sometimes from his great height, he'd lose the sound of her footfalls as she trailed behind him. He turned in and would sift trees and houses in his hands until there he'd found her. It was no effort for him to lift her onto the palm of his hand. To him, she was weightless, and he'd occasionally brush his long fingers against her long dark hair. And each time he did so, he gave her some of his evanescent moonlight life. It made her shine so bright. For nights, her parents had known something was wrong. As a baby, Muffy could not sleep unless the window was open. Sometimes they came back to her crib and knew something was different. But what? They didn't know. Her dark eyes never followed them. She was always looking away. She had been a silent baby. She never made a sound compared to Lillian's constant racket. Afraid, her parents had taken her to doctors, the best, in Trinidad and abroad. A tumor, the doctor said. She should not be alive. A tumor? Her parents looked at Lillian, who played happily beside Muffy's silent, unmoving self. A tumor? The doctors nodded. There's nothing we can do, they said. Just keep her comfortable. They gave her everything they could but comfortable. Her mother had cried. What is comfortable if she is dying? Muffy never spoke. She ate what was in front of her. She listened to her parents and did exactly as they asked. Lillian was a terror. Times two. It's the makeup for Muffy being so sweet, other parents said. Mummy and Daddy nodded. Sweet, yes. It was only when they saw the dirt stains on the carpet of Muffy's room, some mornings, that they started feeling afraid. It happened for years, until they realized they only saw the stains the morning after a full moon. They put in cameras and watched as Muffy climbed out of her window every full moon night and returned to her room well before dawn. They saw the tall figure of Moon Gazer, a terrible mokojambi in their eyes, and they were afraid. But Muffy returned every time, the following mornings. She was alive and well, so they let it go. One day, after Lillian had gone to college abroad, Muffy came and rested her head on Mummy's lap. She made signs that her head was hurting. Mummy gave her a Panadol. But Muffy came every day. The headache didn't stop. They took her to the doctor, and then more and more doctors. It was the tumor. She should have been dead a long time now. Mummy and Daddy took her home. They called Lillian, and she flew back. There was nothing that anyone could do. That last night, 
unknown to Muffy and Moongazer both, Mummy and Daddy watched from the top floor of their house, using a telescope bought for this purpose and which they used in turns. When Moongazer was nothing but a blur on the horizon, Mummy put her hand on Daddy's shoulder. He had been weeping and he didn't recognize it. She's gone now, Mummy said. She's gone. They went downstairs then and looked in at the sleeping form of Muffy, her skin opalescent against her white sheets, white curtains, white room. Her chest did not move. Mummy buried her head against Daddy's shoulder and they held each other until the paper-white moonlit sky was broken by egg yolk dawn. So that's the end of Paper White, which is the last story in For the Dead, and I hope you liked it. You can, of course, get Paper White on Amazon Kindle, and there will be paper copies available in short, in a short space of time. Okay, so thank you very much, and all the best to Brooklyn Litfast. Continue doing your good work for our writing community. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to follow CocoPod and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss new stories when they drop. One last thing. Caribbean stories and Caribbean writers need our help. Show your support by sharing and downloading this podcast as far and as widely as you can. Buy their books, support independent bookshops, and request Caribbean titles from your local libraries. Remember that a rising tide lifts all ships. Give thanks. For more Caribbean storytelling goodness, follow Coco Pod and BCLF Always Lit on all major podcast platforms. <laughs>